everyone. So if you are listening to our Halloween special, what turned into a series, we just stopped talking about something that I don't really know what we were talking about. Because when Camila asked me to listen to the recording, mine cut out at like 30 minutes. So I was told we are going to talk about shirts. But first, I would like to um, point out that Danny's current shirt is a lot. It's he's now embraced the retirement lifestyle in his Hawaiian shirt. This is not this is not Hawaiian. It is a hundred percent Hawaiian. It is not Hawaiian. This is a camo pattern, a thousand percent. Short sleeve button down. Short sleeve button down. Which I think is the definition of a Hawaiian shirt, Danny. Well, it's actually not a button down either because it does apparently to be a button down, it has to have the buttons on the collar or for the collar. Not just buttons down the front. And Did I didn't you know learn that this recently. from the extensive research that you have done on the Winchester shirt waist, whatever company? No, I would like to do more research on that. Um, but I did not learn that. I, in defense of my shirt, it's my favorite shirt. And I'm trying to embrace, there's too much plaid. Well, there's a lot of plaid in my closet. And I've been trying to move away from it. So I'm not just one, not one, one, uh, one dimensional. So this is my <laughs> You're <attempt>. not basic. <laughs> I'm not basic. I'm trying to move. Also, away from did it. you know that the curator before me like exclusively wore plaid? So basically you're merging into what you were always created to no. be. I'm trying to reject that. I'm trying to be different. I'm trying to move into like a James May-esque floral ugly shirt life. Anyways, the shirt in <laughs> question though is not the one I'm wearing. And if you are joining this, is the, if this is your first episode of the podcast, this is a rough You should go part. back and listen to the part one. Start somewhere it. else. Start somewhere else. So we were talking about this concept of dark tourism, which turned into um, a conversation on the commercialization of some of these tragic events, talking about like how we memorialize battlefields or sites of violence and other things. And in this discussion, I realized just how guilty I am, perhaps, maybe not, maybe you disagree and think it's okay the way we've treated these sites. And there's probably a lot of arguments in favor of that. Um, but I realized I had bought a cup from Antietam that commemorated the bloodiest day as I sip my you know, soda or OJ or whatever out of this cup. Um, it literally says on the cup, Antietam National Battlefield, America's bloodiest day. Like, just on a mug I'm drinking out of, which is a little weird. At least weird they don't sugarcoat just, it, though. Right? They're just like, hey, you're the weirdo drinking out of this thing. We're just putting it out there. Do you remember the um, gun mug you gave me where the handle was just like Ew. the grips of a semi-auto? Yeah. It was a pretty great mug. It was a good um, mug. I don't know where it went. Then the other thing is, and Ashley mentioned her iHeart Gettysburg. Is that a shirt? Your iHeart. No, this is the shirt that you bought me. Right. But there was something you mentioned about iHeart, some like an iHeart Gettysburg thing, which I don't remember. As we already heard, I don't, I didn't hear the last eight minutes of the last episode. So I don't know. You did speak that part. Um, Anyways, so there's the, there's the various like iHeart locale, locale shirts. A couple years ago in finding, I don't know if it was a Christmas present or just a cool shirt I found. And so I had to get it. I came across a Instagrammer called Civil War Tees, and he had what I still consider an excellent shirt in spite of all the things we've talked about. And I will. Oh, yeah, me too. 100%. Wear it all the time. A shirt commemorating Gettysburg. And 
in somewhat commemorating the movie version of Gettysburg. And for our listeners, the movie version of Gettysburg happens to be like my all time most watched movie. And you can judge me however you want for that statement. But that's the longest movie ever. And I love that you've watched it. I've watched it probably beyond 500 times in my life. That's just not even like mathematically possible. We're going to do the math on this offline. (laughs) We're going to do the math on this. But just know when I was a kid and I was like sitting in the living room playing or doing whatever, I would just have that movie on in the background. So like Kid Danny just repeat two times a day sometimes. Um, That's six hours. Yeah. I had a lot of free time as a kid. (laughs) living the dream man anyways so there's a scene in the movie where john buford played by sam elliott meets john reynolds and the quote from the movie is let's go surprise harry heath because they're in battle with the you know heath division on the first day at gettysburg and so this guy civil war tees has made the great shirt that's let's go surprise harry heath but it's birthday party themed so it's john buford and john reynolds wearing a birthday hat and it's just the best as a t-shirt. So I instantly bought one for myself and for Ashley and uh, for Kirsten. Kirsten yeah. And we actually wore these shirts to Gettysburg once. Um, and nobody noticed. Well, nobody made visible recognition that they noticed until the very end of the day as we were like walking back through towards the gift shop, mind you. And a park ranger was walking past us. And he did like the classic like cartoon double take of like, the hard stop and like look again at what was on our shirts. And then he kind of snickered. So that was the only person that I noticed noticing our shirts. But to the point of these two episodes, minus our very long intro is, is that a weird commemoration? Is it okay to make light of what is effectively an enormous tragedy in American history? And then wear that thing, making light of this strategy to the battlefield. Cause I'm a fan of the movie telling of the story and it's, and then I was on my way to the gift shop as I wore it because I was buying more Gettysburg merch. So am, am I just like triple indicted here that I've commercialized American tragedy? Um, so this is a good question because like I participate in the purchasing of artifacts um, and the gift shop, you know, phenomenon of historic sites and museums. But then, and for some reason, like with Gettysburg and Antietam, I'm like, well, of course. But like, would I go to like, you know, the Battle of Little Bighorn and be like. That feels weirder. You know, yeah, like or or, you know, Wounded Knee Massacre, you know, like like if the I don't even know if there is a site for Wounded Knee Massacre, if there's just a sign which goes to the conversation we had in the last episode about, you know, the way we commemorate or ignore or forget the past based on the type of trauma. But like, you know, would you get a, would you get a mug that said, I heart the wounded knee massacre? I certainly hope not. <laughs> yeah. But why the, that, like, that's the line, you yeah, know? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> and clearly both you and I have just said, there's a line for us somewhere between those two points, 50,000 casualties, three days of just absolute horror, you know, Sure, we'll buy the t-shirt and we'll buy the t-shirt, the funny t-shirt, not just the t-shirt, we'll buy the funny t-shirt about it. I think that's an important distinction. On the other end, the intentional slaughter of Native Americans, clearly that's too far and we won't buy that commemorative memorabilia, thankfully. And I don't think it exists. I hope it doesn't exist. I'm moving um, it right now. <laughs> if there's a gift shop at Wounded Knee. Um, 
but somewhere between those two is the line where we've decided this is okay. And to your point, like, you know, for me going to Gettysburg and Antietam, because I lived relatively close growing up, those were really normal occurrences. Like, yeah, we took a field trip and then we all got, you know, to go to the gift shop or, or wander through the store. Or when my family went, we'd go to the gift shop. Like, you know, Chris and I joke about it all the time. Like we go to museums for the gift shops half the time, like, sorry, broader museum gift shop visiting, not just this particular topic that we joke about all the time. Um, but, you know, we talk about how we enjoy going to that part of the museum experience. And we view it as like a whole experience. Like when we go to a site, it's like we visit the site and we visit the gift shop. Like that is our museum experience. And for some museums, you know, that's not really that weird of a thing, a local history museum or, or whatever. But for some of these sites, it seems a little bit weirder. And, you know, for sites that are even built more for their creepy factor, um, like, you know, places that are allegedly haunted or, um, just notorious locations. Um, certainly some of them have commercialized those sites, um, even beyond like the gift shop idea. Sorry, um, did you find okay. out? So there is a historic site TBD on whether they have a gift shop. Um, I Googled, um, um, and Etsy said the there, and Etsy said there was, but when I clicked on it, it in fact says things like, I made it through knee surgery, uh, knee surgery survivor, which is like, I'm sure they didn't mean it that way, but like within this context, uh, and there's a mug that says new knee, who dis? <laughs> so I think the answer is probably there's not a lot of swag. So I'm somewhat relieved at humanity in your Google search, but I'm going to buy you that mug. Um, <laughs> I think you should buy me the new knee, who dis? <laughs> so anyways, back to the main topic at hand is yeah like it, it seems normal but there's and you know we're just sort of thinking about the the obvious ones was to me is Gettysburg and Antietam because like I said I I've been around those sites a lot more but there's certainly other sites you know some some tourist areas make their kind of entire attraction the macabre um and those places hugely commercialize it um Oh yeah, like all... um, like museums of death or uh, museums of the occult or voodoo museums in New Orleans, where you can go in the voodoo museum, you know, or the, you know, in the the voodoo museum, I think is like in a gift shop, um, but like you can buy a little mini. Um, what are they called? Um, the dolls. The dolls. What the heck? How do I not remember that? Just a voodoo the, doll. I don't know voodoo what voodoo doll. Voodoo, yeah. Okay. That was sad that I didn't remember that. Uh, but like voodoo dolls, like you can buy that or you can buy like love potion number nine, you know? And so, yeah, I think when you, you get beyond like societal tragedy, no death is tragedy. Well, but like, it's, I don't know. It's death. It's, you know, we, we I said we weren't going to talk about the occult, but somehow it came up, uh, you know, like they like that's like 99 percent of their business to the point where like people have no concept that voodoo was not this weird, magical, scary religion. It was like a mashup of like other Christian religions and African religions and like was not it just wasn't anything to do, <laughs> anything to do with what you see in pop culture so in those cases they're profiting off of people's perception 
of, you know, a particular macabre topic. Um, and in some cases there is a museum of death in, uh, the, in new Orleans, which I'm not paying the fee to go see, but I'm sure they have a gift shop and I'm sure, I'm sure there is a shirt with Kevorkian's vehicle on it. Like you just know that that's <laughs> like, that that's a thing. Like, I just like, I don't endorse it, but I'm just saying you, you feel like, you know, that that's a thing. I don't know. I mean, you've talked at, I think before in the podcast, you've talked about working with like the LA police museum and do they have a gift shop? Yeah. The LA police museum sort of has a gift shop. Um, like it's not quite in motion, but I think that all their stuff is just like the, you know, a photo or a, like a rendering of the like historic building with like the founding dates. Um, we haven't gotten into because we're long from like the interpretation of some things, but um, you know, and they've got a video about the LA riots um, and Rodney King and they have an exhibit on the North Hollywood shootout and they have exhibits on uh, Patty Hearst and the SLA and the onion murders where, um, you know, so, uh, several officers were uh, basically kidnapped and their firearms were used against them um, to kill, I think one of them, maybe, maybe two. Um, and so they have these super dark topics. I mean, they've got the rope that was used to strangle Sharon Tate. They've got all the, all of Charles Manson's guns. They have artifacts from the Marilyn Monroe death, AKA murder. Um, they've got night, you know, the night stalker, hillside strangler. Um, and right now the museum, although they don't shy away from the topics, they don't exactly like, it's kind of like your old school gun interpretation of like, we sterilize it. Not because I think they meant to sterilize it, but that was just like, they didn't have museum staff. Um, right. so, you know, it was just, it, it was what it was, what an officer, what, you know, officers over the years, you know, made it and now it's museum people. So we are having those conversations, but they too also do ghost tours and, at my urging and my organization had uh, ghost adventures um, in their building where those people actively antagonize uh, spirits, if you believe in them or not. And that, like, as you were talking about that, I think of, um, I went up to Bozeman, uh, Chris and I went up last year and they're like the local museum, like the County museum. Um, and I'm blanking on the name and I'm really um, bummed about that because I enjoyed my visit there. But the like it was in what was at one point like the local jail. And so they still had like a prison cell where somebody like was like served their sentence before they were hung. And then um, there was hanged. like another They're sort of hanged. What hanged? Yeah. Hung? Hanged? It's hanged. What in terms They're of hanged. like a hanging, it's hanged. Right. Hanged. Okay. Hanged. Um, before they were hanged. Um, and then there was like a more mundane cell where like sort of the everyday, you know, you know, drunk guy got picked up overnight and he's going to sleep it off kind of cell. So there was like the really high security one and there was like the more mundane, but you could like go in and like sit in both and, you know, like visit both of those things. And it was like weird, like this is a place where people are in like despair and you're just sort of wandering through as a tourist. I don't know. That was a very weird feeling, even for the cell that is arguably much more mundane it's like all right this is just like an old west jail cell and that's kind of cool to see um versus the one where the guy was kept before he was hanged um yeah that that was that was an interesting experience because it's like 
they're sharing it as part of their history and they're not charging like a huge admission fee and they're not trying to make, you know, I, I don't think there was anything very significant. Like there wasn't like a, you know, like a door cell magnet that you could buy for, you know, to represent like the hanging cell, but, um, it was like just, a magnet on your fridge, right? Like here's the door. There, there wasn't anything like that. Um, so I don't know that they were overly commercializing it, but it's certainly a tourist attraction to learn this local history and to be a part of that. And is that because they weren't overtly commercializing it? It's still like more kosher. They weren't inviting, you know, and who knows, maybe they just weren't inviting the, the like ghost adventures people in cause they didn't have their phone number or maybe they had made a conscious Probably choice. The phone I don't know number. that. Probably the phone number. Well, and then you've got Alcatraz, which I've never been to, but they've got, you know, they capitalize on all this stuff. Um, surrounding their history. Eastern State Penitentiary is another one, but I will say last time I was there, which was probably a decade ago, they did have an exhibit on your way out about um, problems with um, the criminal justice system then and today. So at least they were trying to, but then you also walked into a gift shop, which I hate not gift shops. Museums got to find money somewhere, but you know, it's just an interesting conversation. Um, And, you know, we've been pretty critical, I think, so far of museums that take this approach. Like we've been, you know, we've made light of some of our own, like me buying the mug or the T-shirt or whatever. But we've been kind of cautious, I think, throughout these two episodes about museums that are taking this approach. But to be fair to any museum that does take this approach, it tends to be hugely popular. Like, so is it just museums answering the public demand to want to tour these otherwise macabre sites? because there's public interest in it. And yeah, maybe sometimes that public interest gets a little bit weird, but if the public wants it and you have access to it and can like show it to them, like like maybe that's just answering the public demand and it's not really on the museums. It's more on the public and that level of interest. Cause again, I think a lot of this stuff is really, really popular. Well, and I think that brings us to the topic of ghost tourism as well, because it's a topic of what people want. It's demand. Um, and you can tell that by like the fact that when you go to Gettysburg, you can't walk down the street without being accosted by like, you know, 10 plus different ghost tours offering essentially the same tour, you know, so clearly people are interested in this. Um, and, and ghost tourism is fascinating because it's not just about the macabre. You know, it's this perception that you're getting kind of the off the record, uh, you know, unabridged version of the historic site, something that, you know, Patty won't tell you during your day tour of this historic plantation owner's house, you know, and and to some extent, people aren't wrong because there's scholarship that was done in Savannah, which is Savannah is like essentially the city built on the dead is what they, how they market it. Um, but, you know, it's also one of the earliest places to really capitalize on ghost tourism. And the research shows that initially, you know, the only place you could hear the stories of enslaved peoples was on a ghost tour. It wasn't the official house tour. And obviously we know that that's changing, but there was this level of, you know what you are getting, you know, the, the, uh, Downton Abbey, you know, below the stairs kind of version of history. And then a lot of times too, there's been studies on actual ghost 
tourism about the fact that they take you to parking lots, you know, that you don't necessarily go in the site, you go to the parking lots, you know, you're not allowed because if they, you know, if the historic site knew, and now historic sites do participate now, but there's just this idea that it's kind of like edgy and fringe. And that has, you know, ultimately exploded at every place you go. I don't know a lot of places that don't at least offer some type of like true crime or ghost or sinister or nighttime, you know, tour. It just seems to be almost everywhere. Yeah. And it, I mean, it gets in, you know, we see it like within to like break the, well, not break the fourth wall, but in the own world, like true kind podcast is one of the most popular categories of podcasts. And like, it's just hugely popular and it carries over, I think, into um, the museum world. And yeah, it, it's, it's virtually everywhere. As an aside, when you were starting to describe Gettysburg, I thought you were going to say for a second, I was like, you were saying you can't walk down Gettysburg without being presented with like 10. And I was really hoping you were going to say ghosts. I was like, oh, perfect ending. Um, but yeah, it's it's just sort of like, I, I was really hoping for it. <laughs> I knew it wasn't the case, but part of me wanted it. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's really popular. And there's this dark tourism. And like you said, it seems fringe. And people, um, you know, they always want like, there's this attitude towards museums and historic sites that you're never getting the full story, like that museums for so long have sort of sanitized um, these stories or they don't have the room to tell it. So you have to go outside the museum to maybe a ghost tour or to some other source to get the real the real version because we're like we're gatekeeping the wrong stuff effectively. Well, and it's also kind of interesting because like at the one on one hand, you are getting kind of a fringe experience in some cases. But then on the other hand, um, there's a guy who got his Ph.D. in the theater of belief real thing. Um, and he worked in Gettysburg um, as a ghost tour guide, you know, and he said it's so common, though, that that perception of fringe is actually something that's as simple as like we ended in this parking lot because the tour guide's car was there. Yeah. And and that's that's just true for like museum tours in general is like, you know, I think it's especially true for these, but just in general, you need to create the perception of it sounds really terrible. I'm sound like I'm such a corporate chill now, but you need to create the perception of like real and authentic, right? Like Ooh, people will go to museums because they want to see the thing that was there or touch the thing that was there in the case of the door. Like that's Did they're trying to get it through that. it. <laughs> right. They're trying to get to that thing that was there. And I think we do our best in museums to try and get them like to bring people that. But sometimes like, yeah, there's certain things we do in the museum, even like when we're doing interactives or other things is like, you have to put up some veneer to help people get there. Like that's part of the field. And maybe it's more exaggerated with the ghost tour and he, and a guy just needs to get to their car. But um, I think if we in the museums were to be really critical, like and say, Oh, well, that's just, you know, that's such a sham that that guy's just walking them because it's convenient for him we'd have to take a long, hard look at ourselves and like the thing we do with all of our exhibits. Like there's some layer of trying to bring people the impression um, that they're closer to the, to the history than perhaps they are. Well, and That's, that sounds so disillusioning to say it all out loud, but. 
Well, and one thing that's kind of relevant, but not to what you said, but it just grinds my gears is the fact that like when you go on these ghost tours, everybody's like, and then like two weeks ago, this person, you know, on my tour saw this and I shit you not. I went on a Gettysburg. I've been on pretty much every Gettysburg ghost tour. Um, but I went on a Gettysburg ghost tour a couple of years ago with um, my husband and my stepdaughter and Marley, of course. And they were saying things like a few weeks ago on a tour, they saw this and they were the same stories that I heard when I was a kid. And I just think it's not, yeah, it's funny, you know, like <laughs> this perception of reality that's like, okay, why am I hearing the same stories, you know, with the, like where they're claiming it's a week ago, but actually I'm 33 and I went on a tour when I was 10, <laughs> you know, and, and I you guys clearly have not updated the script. Yeah. Well, and here's something I used to, you know, I was a ghost hunter and I used to write uh, ghost um, tours for historic Newcastle. And there really aren't a lot of ghost stories in historic Newcastle. So like I would on my tours, I would tell these like elaborate, crazy ghost stories. And then when I, people would be like, really? And I feel like, no, I made it up. But then next year, um, somehow whoever was modifying the script, my ghost story that was totally fake. And I never portrayed it as real. I joked that it was fake. My tour people knew it was fake um and somehow it would make it in as fact the next year very very interesting so you've taken as you just described most of the ghost tours in gettysburg and probably are more of like i would say i'm more skeptical of ghost ghost stories than you are oh i'm hella skeptical now oh you know and as a person who literally makes a point to stay at every haunted room and at every haunted me or museum <laughs> i don't stay at the museums uh historic hotel whatever um anytime i travel i try to stay in those and really not nothing is major has happened to me a few little things for sure uh but nothing major has happened to me than like the believer is not so convinced anymore. But sometimes I'm like, am I just like the ghosts don't want to talk to me? They're like, bad bitch. <laughs> um, that's probably not as that was very funny to me, just because like the idea <laughs> that there's all these ghosts around and they're just like, oh. She's not, not this one. Just, yeah, not this, not this one. one. She's not that interesting. She's too, she's too thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> she wants it too bad we're just gonna <laughs> we're gonna commune with all the spirits around the world to just say like yeah, yeah. nah we're not doing it there's a ghost memo in the ghost office that says don't talk to this one just like new hires here's your handbook as a ghost welcome to the spirit world don't talk to ashley is that like the phone that's allegedly in the casket of the lady who founded the christian science church because they believe she's gonna call them one day I have no idea about I, that. That's something I heard. I've never confirmed, but it's, I don't know, a funny story. So anyways, we've covered a lot of things. Oh, I was waiting for Camila to ask her a question. Camila, what is your question? Have you guys ever stayed up at Irma? No. 
and I've eaten a lot of their cheese whiz nachos and had many a maker's mark, but I have not stayed there. And despite how much I may or may not have had to drink over the years at various times and celebrations, I've never seen a ghost. At the Irma or anywhere? Well, we already established anywhere. I was just saying with alcohol fueled, I have still not seen a ghost. Doesn't the Chamberlain also have a ghost story? Every place has a ghost story. Yeah. Like, Any, that's the, you know, that's the, even if it's not a ghost from like the time period the house was built, some maintenance worker in the 1950s or 40s fell. And actually, no, I already gave this example in the last where like nobody falls and that's a story. But but you hear it because I've heard that in the center, you know, the ghost stories. They don't really have great ghost stories, but then they're like, but there are, you know, hauntings of former employees, which makes which tracks. But, you know, it's just you know, you come up with something if you don't have something that's specifically like tied to the historic event. Every building made before 1990 has to have a ghost story is what it feels like sometimes. And I don't know. I. I will end my contributions with to this episode of the podcast with the first ghost story I ever heard about Antietam was that if you were driving up I-70 on South Mountain in Maryland, that if you got stuck there, if like your car broke down at night, and I'm, I'm going to get the details wrong, but if, you, if your car broke down at night or something like that, and you were stuck along the side of the highway and nobody was around, you could like faintly hear... Um, like an artillery, like a, a group of soldiers trying to push out like a artillery, like a cannon and caisson up the hill because all their horses had died or something like that. It was like, it was like all these specific circumstances and you just had, and of course it's an interstate highway. So it's never like actually calm. And how would you see that? But that was the, that was one of the first ghost stories I ever heard about the battle of Antietam. And it wasn't even on Antietam. It was up on South mountain. So if it's specific, then it must be true, right? Like, if it, yeah, it's what you know that that level of detail it has to be true, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> um, I don't know how I want to end it, other than the fact that, like, despite you know our condemnation in some respects of dark tourism and ghost tourism and and museum gift shops and historic historic site gift shops, I'm still a consumer. I'm a part of the problem. Yeah, and. I think maybe that's our conclusion. And I've, I've really enjoyed working through this topic because when we first like were thinking about doing this episode, I didn't think about my own participation. I was just thinking about like the general topic. And I'm like, oh, wow, I consume a lot at these tragic sites. Um, and yeah, maybe the ultimate conclusion is it's actually really popular and museums are filling a need. And um, it's partially driven by the macabre, but it's also, I think, driven by people's just interest in history. And um, you kind of have to take both together. And sometimes yeah. you buy a t-shirt that's birthday party themed about Gettysburg. I think that's the perfect place to end. Well, thank you guys for listening to what became Danny just breathed like he was going to say something. Sorry. Go no, ahead. Go. Nope. Go ahead, Danny. I, I, I actually just breathed because I've had a head cold the last few days. And I <laughs> I really thought that you were going to be like classic Danny and interrupt my conclusion. Um, well, thank you guys for listening to our two part accidentally uh, Halloween special. We will do another special in November around Thanksgiving, which I will assume is probably going to have something to do with hunting. Does it? Yes. All right. Talk to See you guys ya. later. Mm-hmm.